amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I woke up to the sound of a man's voice in my ear. Mary Burward is 52 years old now, but she will never forget June 1979 when she was just 13 years old. She had just made it onto a Walnut Creek cheer squad when a man then known as the East Area Rapist came into her Walnut Creek bedroom and put a knife to her throat. He tied my legs and tied my hands and gagged me with my training bra. He told me he was going to kill my family if I made any noise. And I just was as quiet as I could be. I just stayed there quiet. And, and he raped me. Her sister was across the hall. Burwart says she broke her feet loose after 45 minutes and ran down the hall to tell her dad what happened. And I just blurted it out. And he flew out of bed. The look on his face was, was devastating. The next day, she says her dad tore down the playhouse by her bedroom window. Because apparently that's where he was watching me or stalking me. From your playhouse? Laying on top of the playhouse, you could see right into my bedroom window. He insinuated his filth and evil into our house and my life in our community and brought terror, terror to everybody. Between 1974 and 1986, a serial offender terrorized families throughout California. First, he struck as the Visalia Ransacker, an offender that burgled homes and stole belongings in Visalia, a small town in central California. He is also rumored to have struck in nearby towns Exeter and Cordova during this same spree, but that is unconfirmed as of yet. What we do know is that between 1974 and 1975, the Visalia Ransacker committed over 120 burglaries, and was also rumored to have been the culprit behind the murder of Claude Snelling in 1975, a crime that likely caused this Ransacker to relocate roughly 200 miles north to Sacramento. There, in the summer of 1976, the East Area Rapist was born. No longer satisfied with simple burglaries, this serial offender began committing heinous sexual assaults. This sadist would break into his victims' homes beforehand to get a lay of the land, and would harass his victims via telephone long afterwards. 
While he initially targeted young women that were home alone, this man would eventually begin attacking couples, where he would use the leverage of bodily harm to torment both man and woman. He committed at least 50 of these sexual assaults before being chased off by a prepared couple, and this seems to have scared him yet again and caused him to relocate. The final incarnation of this offender took the form of a nameless phantom, who primarily haunted couples in Southern California between 1970 and 1986. After a couple of failed attacks in a row, this offender made it a point to leave no witness alive, and would bring his kill total to a dozen over the next several years. His victims included the following, Robert Offerman, Deborah Manning, Charlene and Lyman Smith, Keith and Patrice Harrington, Manuela Whithune, Sherry Domingo, Greg Sanchez, and finally, after a five-year hiatus, teenager Janelle Cruz in 1986. Years later, DNA testing would confirm that all of these crimes had been committed by the same offender, an unknown individual that had somehow managed to avoid capture and or detection for years. Officials dubbed him the original Night Stalker, as he committed the same type of crimes as the notorious Richard Ramirez, but predated his crime spree by almost a decade. Decades later, author Michelle McNamara would condense all of these nicknames into a single moniker, the Golden State Killer. Witnesses at the time had described this offender as a young man who had a slender and athletic build. He was known to be physically capable, having bicycled to many of the crime scenes and having outrun survivors and police officers. He was also believed to have a flexible schedule due to the many hours he spent prowling and tormenting his victims. But for years, police would hunt for this serial offender, who would rank among the worst in American, if not human, history, with no luck. I originally covered this story in the very first three episodes of Unresolved, which were released over four years ago, back in October of 2015. At the time, I was actually living in Central California, and was totally immersed in the case, which wasn't very well known at the time. Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, was still years away from publication, and the tremendous multi-part case file podcast series was still a couple of years away. At the time, not many believed that this infamous offender, who I referred to as the original Night Stalker but has become more well known as the Golden State Killer, would ever be identified or captured. But on April 25th, 2018, it was announced that law enforcement agents had finally apprehended the man behind all of these heinous assaults, who was no monster, but just a sad, lonely, despicable old man. In the first half of 2018, investigators with the Contra Costa Sheriff's Office had the idea to upload the DNA of this mysterious offender to GEDmatch a DNA service website that compiles genomic data to establish familial ties. Using this service, officials, led by investigator Paul Holes, were able to identify roughly one dozen relatives of the mysterious Golden State Killer, including cousins of various degrees. Using this technology, investigators were able to create a large genealogical family tree of this mysterious individual, narrowing down the possibilities until they arrived at just two names. The first was quickly eliminated, after police obtained a close relative's DNA and compared it to the Golden State Killers. This led police to their only other option, 
a recently retired individual named Joseph James D'Angelo. Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. was the son of a United States Airman of the same name, Joseph D'Angelo Sr., and Kathleen Bassano. He was the oldest of four children, having two younger sisters and a younger brother. At some point in his youth, his parents divorced, and his mother would remarry. Joseph then moved with his mother, stepfather, and siblings out to California in the late 1950s, living in the area of Auburn, on the northeastern outskirts of Sacramento. He attended Folsom High School between 1961 and 1963, and would earn his GED in 1964. Following this, at the onset of the Vietnam War, D'Angelo enlisted in the U.S. Navy. He would serve on the USS Canberra and the USS Piedmont. The exact time that he was in the service is contested, but he served for at least 22 months, and is rumored to have served for at least a few years. After his return stateside, D'Angelo began attending colleges and universities in California, earning an associate's in police science and a bachelor's in criminal justice. He seems to have set his sights on law enforcement as a profession, and followed up a police internship with his first job as an Exeter, California police officer in the spring of 1973. He would work primarily as a patrolman, but was involved on at least one burglary task force, giving him intimate knowledge of cat burglars and prowlers. Ironically, the month that he became a police officer, May of 1973, the offenders known as the Cordova Cat, as well as the Exeter and Visalia Ransackers, began to strike in the area. In 1976, when the Visalia Ransacker disappeared and the East Area Rapist emerged, D'Angelo had moved back home, north from the Exeter Police Department to the Auburn Police Department. There, he worked just outside of Sacramento for the next few years, while the East Area Rapist tormented families throughout the region. On July 5th, 1979, the East Area Rapist would strike for the last known time, after being chased off by a prepared couple that nearly overpowered the unassuming attacker. In another twist of fate, just weeks later, on July 21st, Joseph James D'Angelo was caught shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent from a store in Citrus Heights. The following month, he was fired from the Auburn Police Department, and his career in law enforcement would be permanently ended. It was at around this time that the attacks in Southern California began occurring, which were later attributed to the original Night Stalker, and then the Golden State Killer. Conveniently, the crime spree temporarily ended just two months before the birth of D'Angelo's first child, but would pick up again five years later, just months before the birth of his second child. After this very brief resurgence, this criminal seemed to disappear forever, just as Joseph James D'Angelo began to settle into his relatively quiet life. D'Angelo and his wife, Sharon, would have a grand total of three kids, two of whom were born in Sacramento, and the other being born in Los Angeles. They had originally married in 1973, and would remain married until Sharon filed for divorce in 2019. But, they were unofficially separated in the early 1990s, and had been living apart for decades. He had remained at their Citrus Heights home, which they had purchased in the early 1980s. For the next few decades, D'Angelo had worked a number of low-maintenance jobs. He had started working as a mechanic for a Sacramento-area Save Mart distribution center in August of 1989, and he would work there until his retirement in 2017. He was still in the early months of his retirement when police arrived at his home in April 
April of 2018, announcing that he was under arrest. Despite the statute of limitations on these sexual assaults having lapsed, he was being charged with eight counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances, a total that would be amended to 12 the following month. Three days after his highly publicized arrest, D'Angelo would appear in court for the first time, and tried to play up his age as much as possible, speaking quietly and feigning confusion, an act that earned him a number of groans throughout the courtroom. Alright, Your Honor, on the 130 calendar, page 2, in custody, D'Angelo. Is uh, Joseph James D'Angelo your true, correct legal name? I'm sorry? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're before the uh, Sacramento Superior Court for two reasons. One, to inform you there is a warrant, a hold for you, out of Ventura County for two counts of murder, 187, subdivision A of the Penal Code. That case is 116-1124. There is no bail placed on you from Ventura County. In Sacramento County Superior Court, you're charged by way of a felony complaint. 18FE008017, complaint filed April 25, 2018, alleges two counts of murder and a special circumstance. Count one, alleges on or about February 2nd, 1978, in the county of Sacramento, you did willfully, unlawfully, and with malice aforethought, murder Katie Majori, a human being. In violation of Penal Code Section 187, Subdivision A, it is a felony. It's further alleged in the commission of that murder that you personally used a firearm of unknown caliber. It's alleged as a violation of a Penal Code Statute 12022.5, Subdivision A, makes it a violent and serious felony. Count two, for a further and separate cause of action, with the charges set forth in count one, it's alleged on or about February 2nd, 1978, in the county of Sacramento, that you unlawfully, willfully, and with malice aforethought, murdered Brian Majori, a human being. It's again further alleged during the commission of that murder that you personally used a firearm, again of unknown caliber. So it's charged as a violation of Penal Code Section 1222.5, Subdivision A. There is a special circumstance alleged against you, and that reads as follows. It is further alleged that the offenses charged in Counts 1 and 2 are a special circumstance in that the defendant committed multiple murders within the meaning of a Penal Code Statute 190.2, Subdivision C, Subdivision 5. You have a lawyer, Mr. D'Angelo, can you afford one, or are you asking the court to appoint you a lawyer? Did you not understand the question? You have a lawyer. Is that the public defender? Let me appoint the public defender, Ms. Howard. We accept representation on behalf of your own. Thank you. Yes, I will. Diane Howard from the Public Defender's Office. I'll accept the appointment for Mr. D'Angelo. I'll acknowledge receipt of the complaint. At this time, Judge, I'd also like to reserve the right to make any later objections to any potential penalty or punishment um, okay. with respect to this complaint. Um, Mr. Grippy and I have agreed on a further continuous court date of May the 14th at 8.30 in this department, please. Mr. Grippy, that right? That's correct. Right. Okay, that'll be the order May 14th, 8.30, Of course, there's no bail. Anything else we need to do this afternoon? No, Your Honor. Okay. 
Ms. Howard? Yes. yes Is there anything sir. else? No, thank you, sir. Okay, May 14th, 8.30, 61, Mr. D'Angelo. All right, why don't we take a recess? When I originally brought you an update in this case, back in April of 2018, I was ecstatic. This news was almost surreal, especially since the news of D'Angelo's arrest came on my birthday. I woke up to so many messages and texts from you wonderful listeners that morning, and I honestly almost thought that I was dreaming. For so long, the original Night Stalker, the East Area Rapist, the Visalia Ransacker, the Golden State Killer, had been my personal boogeyman. Hearing that he was just a normal man, nothing but old flesh and brittle bones. It honestly changed my perspective of the monsters I typically cover on this show, showing me that they aren't people to fear, they're people to pity. For decades, Joseph James D'Angelo had been a monster to many, but he has now been awaiting trial for the better part of two years, a span of time in which he has just been rotting behind bars. He last appeared in court in August of 2019, and he looked to be a shell of the man that was arrested back in 2018, likely due to him trying to play up his old age and incontinence. Nothing of major importance has happened in the court proceedings to date, other than D'Angelo being charged and the groundwork being laid for his imminent trial. It has been ruled upon that the trial will be televised, and I'm sure major networks will be covering it when the time approaches. D'Angelo is next scheduled to appear in court on January 22, 2020, and I can only hope that justice will be found for the countless victims of the Golden State Killer and their loved ones. While this case is nearing a resolution, I believe, until a verdict is handed down, this story will remain unresolved. Thank you all for listening to the 12 Days of Updates, which we are now wrapping up today. It's helped keep me busy throughout December, and I hope that you've enjoyed catching up on some of the stories we've covered over the past four plus years, especially as we prepare to bring in the new decade. I hope to be back with another full-length episode next weekend, but until then, stay safe, enjoy yourselves, and have a happy new year. I'll talk to you later. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. 
That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.